0: Started, will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, we do love you and praise you, God, and how we are so blessed to be gathered back together once again as a mother hen just gathers her chicks. We're together, Lord. We um, are excited to rekindle those friendships, build relationships, God, and most of all, we are excited to dig deep in the word of truth together today and up until the rest of the school year, Lord. So we are so blessed. We thank you. We invite your presence to be here with us, among us, in us, and Lord, oh, we pray that you work through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, will you open your Bibles to John chapter 14. Now, as Suzanne said, we don't have a formal Bible study today. This is our introduction, and since we're doing so many books of the Bible this year, uh, and they all have the same thread, theme of truth, I thought it might be good just to talk about truth today. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about truth. You know, it was eight years ago that I began here. Uh, John and I have been here now for 11 years. And it was a couple years of adjusting and transitioning as we first got here. But my official first Bible study here through the whole year was the book of John. And we started the book of John and we never looked back. We just went through every book in order there. So it has been, this will be our 23rd book of the Bible, completing the New Testament this year, so it's quite an accomplishment. With all of you ladies, I saw your hands, those of you that started from the beginning and went all the way through. Praise God, you've gone through 23 books of the Bible, studied through it, taught through it, discussed it, and um, what an accomplishment to be able to say, right? And so I'm thrilled, of course. Um, I'm really chomping to get into the Old Testament. I love the book of Joshua. So I don't know if that's going to be what we study next year. But it has been one that I um, have really loved to camp on. And there's so much in it for us. But I... I can tell you this, we will be somewhere in the Old Testament next year <laughs> because we've done all the New Testament, but it's been such a blessing. So we've completed our twenty third book of the Bible together, or we will, by the end of this year, the Book of Jude. And um, it really is such a blessing to be to have been and to be traveling back through the truth with you, ladies again. So as I said, today, we're going to look at this theme, Truth, that really runs and is thread through our sixteen week study we will discover in first and second peter how we are established in truth firmly planted so that we may be able to stand upon the firm foundation when we experience times of persecution we'll look at that in first and second third john we will look at how we are to walk in truth putting feet to our faith you know to walk means to move forward It doesn't mean to stand still, you're not standing, you're not sitting, you're not idle, you are moving. Whether you're moving quickly or slowly, you are nonetheless moving. It actually means, if you look it up in the dictionary, not to have both feet on the ground at the same time. So you're moving forward, and our desire is that we would move forward as we travel through the truth together, that it won't only just go in our ears, but it will sink deep down into our hearts, and it will make a lasting impact in our life. We will also be looking at the book of Jude, and in that book we will discover how to fight for our faith, contend for our faith, sort of like a boxing match is what I Picture it. It's like the devil and the Lord, and we're, we're on the Lord's side, and it's, it's a fight, isn't it? To the finish, to contend for our faith. We are faith, earnestly contend for it, defending it, and that is what we'll see in the book of Jude. But today, uh, in our introduction, I'd like to take some time and just really discuss this topic of truth and using it maybe as our launching pad. So as I said, open your Bible, if you haven't, to John chapter 14. And, um, and we'll just take a peek there in a moment. But the question, as I was looking at uh, this particular scripture and one other uh, that I'm going to use as our text today, is the question that many have asked, that people have asked over, um, since the beginning of time. What is truth? Not as, what, as the truth... But just what is truth? Because truth is under attack, is it not? In our day and age, in this world in which we live in, where people are believing and have fallen for the lie that there is no absolute truth. We're living in a world that... People are saying, do whatever you want. Do what pleases you. And this is so reminiscent, is it not, of what the Bible says will happen in the end days? That men will do what is pleasing in their own eyes? They will just long for evil and do whatever they want. We are there. We are there. We are living in the days of what somebody has coined the whatever days. Do whatever you want, whatever feels good, whatever looks good, whatever sounds good, do whatever. Those are the days that we're living in. And we know that we are ripe, are we not, for the return of Jesus Christ? The question is, are you ready? Are you ready? If he was to come back today, right now, are we ready for his return? And we're going to discuss it a little later that we have a choice Because we will stand before Jesus Christ in the end. Every single person on this earth will. And you'll stand in one of two places. The Bema seat or the judgment seat. Where we will each, everybody on their own, not under anybody else, give an account of what we did with the truth while we were here on earth. So, the dictionary defines truth as meaning steadfast, loyal, loyal faithful and constancy. The concept of loyalty and faithfulness can be seen in the expressions like uh, you're a true friend or being true to something or true to your word or true to a promise or convictions. Truth is sincerity. It is honesty. It is fact. It is reality. It's Knowing all the facts about something rather than just what is imagined. If we were to ask somebody on a university campus, or even a high school campus for that matter, what is truth, we would likely engage in a very interesting conversation, right? And we may even come against some persecution. Maybe they laugh at us. Maybe they mock us or ridicule us for what we believe the word truth means. In today's world, many have fallen, as I said, for the lie that there is no absolute truth, that we just do whatever we want. Charles Spurgeon said of truth, a lie can travel halfway around the world while truth is putting on its shoes. Is that not the truth? (laughs) A lie spreads very quick. He also said, if you want the truth to go around the world, you must hire an express train to pull it. But if you want a lie to travel around the world, it will fly as light as a feather, and a breath will carry it. The idea here is that it is much easier to spread a lie than it is to spread the truth. True? Yes. The concept of the truth has clearly fallen on hard times, and the consequences of rejecting the truth is taking its toll on our society. When truth suffers, it's said, so does society, and so do we as people. Our society is on a downward spiral. I mean, we don't have to look very far in the news to see uh, the devastation, Uh, The uh, depression, the suicide, the murder, I mean, we could go on and on. The violent crimes, uh, the addictions that our society is facing, all because of this. What is truth to you? It all stems back to what we believe truth is. Jesus said in Matthew 5:17 and 18, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill, for truly I say to you until heaven and earth is passed away not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until it is accomplished. God's word will be accomplished. It will. Uh, Matthew 17, 24 to 27. Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against the house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. And any, everyone who hears These words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who builds his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and burst came, burst the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. We can choose to do it the wise way or the foolish way. We can choose the truth. Or we can choose the lie. If we want to believe the truth, we must first know what the truth is. Or should I say, who the truth is. Our first point today, we have three, first of three, is Jesus is truth. We read in John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. And the word was with God, excuse me, and the word was God. Who is the word? Jesus. And in John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld its glory, his glory of only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. Who is the word that became flesh? Jesus. Jesus is the word. And here, in our text today, in John chapter 14, let's look at verse 1 together. Jesus shares here some final words with his disciples as they are preparing to leave. He's preparing to leave them and go... Um, to heaven, leave the earth. He says in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And there I am, where you will be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going and how can we know the way? And then Jesus said to him these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Who is the way? Who is the truth? Who is the life? Who is the word? Jesus. Jesus is all of these things. Jesus told his disciples not to worry because he is the way, the only way. He is the truth, and he is the way to everlasting life. Knowing now that Jesus is the truth, flip a couple chapters to John chapter 18. Just a couple chapters to your left, or to your right. Sorry. This is me flipping to my left, but it really was the right. Okay. So here we read of the famous question from Pontius Pilate. And this, when I came across this scripture this week, I had a light bulb moment. So I want to share that moment with you and hopefully you will as well, or maybe you already had your moment and you know what I'm going to share with you. But here in verse 37, as Jesus, the truth is standing before Pilate, the only one who has the authority now to override the Sanhedrin. Now, Jesus is, you know, has been accused of um, blasphemy and he's, uh, they want to put him to death. So here's the one man, the only man that can override that. And Jesus stands before him. Verse 37, we read uh, Pilate therefore said to him, Jesus, Are you the king then? And Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, here's the words. I would underline this if I were you. What is truth? Wow, this is nothing new, is it? And when he had said this to him... He went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Pontius said the truth, standing right in front of him. Right in front of Pilate stands the embodied truth. Did you get that? (laughs) This was my light bulb moment. You're supposed to go, oh. The truth is standing right in front of him. And yet he didn't see it. He didn't see what was right in front of him. Don't you marvel at times when we or others see the obvious solution, the obvious truth, standing right in front of us, and yet we miss it or they miss it? It's like people receiving, uh, hearing the gospel shared, and they they don't receive the truth, and we just it frustrates us, right? We want to shake them. We want to say, "Don't you get it? Don't you see? Don't you understand?" And yet, they either, as Pilate, ignore the truth, run from the truth, try to hide from the truth. But guess what? You can never hide or run from the truth. Pontius knew that Jesus was special. That there was something about this guy. Not sure, but there's something about him. It's like some people today, you know, they admire Jesus from afar. They think that there's things about you or other Christians that I like that. I admire that. I applaud that stand or whatever. And yet, they don't see and take time to get to know that what is behind that is the truth of the word of God. The truth found in Jesus Christ. Pilate had the truth right in front of him. Of which he didn't deny it, mind you. Didn't deny it, but nor did he receive it right in front of him. Many today are asking this very same question. What is truth? How would you answer it? What is truth? What is truth to you? What is it? My prayer is that you would say now that we just discussed it, the truth is Jesus, thank you. The truth is Jesus. Everything about Jesus is truth. He's the Word manifest, He's God manifest. He is the truth. You know, um, as a parent, we have those times with our children that we wonder I don't know about you, but I have. I have four. Are they telling me the truth? With one of our kids, it was really easy to tell whether they were telling the truth. Because I'll say he, because I have three boys, so you won't know which one. But he would always look right above our head. (laughs) And we were like, so-and-so, look in our eyes. He could not look into our eyes. We always knew then, okay, he is not telling the truth. But um, then your kids get a little better. They get older, right? And they get better at lying don't they? And that's when you really have to depend upon the gift of discernment, don't you? Are you, Lord, is, is this child telling me the truth or not? Is this adult, because now they're adults, telling me the truth or not? Are they? And don't you love that we have a gift from God, the discerning of spirits that can, can allow us to know This is the truth, and this isn't. Oh, my husband's so good with the kids. Wow, I just sit there and listen. He knows exactly what question to ask those kids to make them break and bend, you know? It's amazing. I just sit back in awe and watch the whole thing go down and take notes. How does he know to ask that question? I would have never thought that. Praise God, he's the head of the home, you know? But there are certain body languages that we do when we're not telling the truth. Uh, I, I read up a little bit on it just because, you know, I want to know. And it's it's interesting. It is true, isn't it? People get very uncomfortable. They won't look you in the eye. Uh, one one article said um, when they're lying, they do not blink. And that thereafter, they keep blinking. Try that one, you know. <laughs> and uh, it's fascinating, though how body language changes when we are not telling the truth. Well, Jesus is the truth is our first point. But our second point today, and I already told you, but Jesus is the word. We read in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the word. The Word. He always has been, He always was, and He always will be. And in John one fourteen, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and beheld His glory and the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace. Here again, He is the Word. Who is the Word? Yes. You are so smart. You are good. <laughs> Who is the truth? Yes. Okay, you guys got this. Okay, inside the Bible, though, are Stories of truth and justice and love and forgiveness and life and death and lust and hate and war and crime equal to anything that we read about in history ever. The Bible tells the truth. Who tells us a lie? Satan, the devil, our adversary. He's the liar. Jesus tells the truth. The Bible tells the truth. It tells us the truth about God, about man, about the devil. It doesn't merely contain nuggets of truth. It is pure and unchangeable and cannot be broken, John 10.35 tells us. When Jesus was praying in the garden... To the father on behalf of his disciples in John seventeen seventeen, he said these words, sanctify them by your, anyone, truth. your word is, right, sanctify them, that word means set them apart, set them apart by your truth, your word is truth. Moreover, the word of God is eternal truth, which lives and abides forever. 1 Peter 1.23 tells us, Jesus is truth incarnate. The perfect expression of God and therefore the absolute truth and the absolute embodiment of truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is truth. His word is truth. And thirdly and finally the truth will always be met with some sort of opposition. So Jesus brings, or excuse me, the truth brings opposition is our third point. The truth brings opposition. Jesus is the truth. The word is truth, but the truth brings opposition. Jesus told his disciples in John 15:20, "Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept excuse me, if they keep my word, they will keep yours." Are you experiencing any persecution because you're a Christian? Because you stand for marriage? You stand against abortion? you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman? Are you experiencing any persecution because you carry your Bible and you actually read it in public? Because you don't agree with what's going on in society? Welcome to the club. (laughs) Experiencing persecution because of Jesus means you're on the right track. Amen? You're doing something right. You're worthy of the opposition. So don't withdraw. Keep going. Keep fighting. Keep sharing. Keep reading your Bible in public. Keep standing for what is right. Stand for the truth because we know that our adversary, the devil, is threatened when we are willing to stand for truth. Don't let this discourage you. Rather, be encouraged that God is using you and that he's using these things to grow you in truth. James 1, 2 through 3 says, Count it all joy when we fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, which is perfect, lacking nothing. That's three perfects in one scripture. That's a lot of perfecting. And this is exactly what persecution and trials and tribulation and testings of our faith does. It is perfecting us, making us more like the truth. Amen the Lord will often test us in truth to see what we're made of. Is our truth solid? Is it sure? Is it steadfast? Is it established? This is how we're perfected as believers. But we aren't alone. 2,000 years ago, the truth, Jesus, was put on trial and judged by people who were devoted to lies. In fact, the truth, Jesus, faced six trials in less than one full day, three of which were religious and three were legal trials. In the end, very few people who were involved in those events could answer the question, what is truth? This question has reverberated down through history because we are still asking it today. And this question is more important now than ever before as we are living in a world that is adamantly against the truth, not just the truth that's found in Jesus, in his word, but many today, as I said, do not even believe in an absolute truth, right and wrong, good and bad. It's, it's astonishing. It really is astonishing. One article that I read, as I told you, I mentioned it before, said that we're living in the whatever world. Whatever we want to do or believe is just fine. Lord, help us, right? Right? I mean, God has chosen us to live right now, 2018, in this day and age. And he will equip us for what we're called to. But Lord, help us. Lord, help us to be women who are willing to stand. To be women of truth. To believe the word of God is true. To believe that what Jesus said is true. To live it, to speak it, to read it, to write it, to share it. Amen? Truth is not simply whatever works. Truth is not simply what is coherent or understandable. Truth is not what makes people feel good. Truth is not what the majority says. Truth is not what is comprehensive. Truth is not defined by what is intended. Truth is not how we know, but truth is what we know. Do you know the truth? That is, do you know Jesus Christ? The Greek word for truth is Althea. A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A, which literally means to unhide. To unhide or to hide nothing. It conveys the thought that truth is always here, always open, always available for all to see, with nothing being hidden. Are you searching for the truth today? Are you in the truth? The truth found in the Word of God provides answers to all of life's questions. Do you need direction? It's in the truth. Do you need wisdom? Do you need help in your marriage, your parenting, your finances, your friendships, conflicts? It's all found in the truth, the word of God. That's why it is so difficult to get here every day. Did you know that? That's why. Because this is the truth. Do you want the truth? Let me see. Raise your hands if you want the truth. All right. Here it is. Here it is for the asking. It's right here. Do you want to lie? Skip this every day. And you will receive the lie. You know, we can function for a little while in in the spirit or somewhat in our flesh. It's like it's like that saying one day without the word, and you know it. Two days, your family knows it, three days, everyone knows it. It does not take long, right? To be bombarded with the world, the lies, the devil. And then we fall for those lies because we haven't been in the truth. The devil does not want us to be in the truth every day. He wants us to continue to believe his lies, which many of us women do. We do. We just do. We fall for it. That's why I believe Eve was the one that took the apple. It was shiny, and it was pretty, and it was appealing. And we like that, don't we? Okay. You know? I've had the opportunity the last couple weeks to share with several groups of um, young women. And I love that. Such a blessing. I get to say, learn from the mistakes of the foolish. Don't do what I did. The Bible says the wise learn from the mistakes of the foolish. And I get an opportunity to impart wisdom because I've learned the hard way. And I pray that they don't go down that path. But I've had the opportunity to share with them in the last few weeks. And one thing that I see that is constant in all three of these different groups of young gals that I got to share with is that they are believing the lies. They're believing them. They believe that they're not good enough, that they're not pretty enough, that they're not smart enough, that they're not thin enough, that they're not godly enough. They have fallen for the lie, and it breaks my heart. But how encouraging do we find it when somebody says to us, You matter? I mean, two words. So encouraging. You matter. In fact, you matter so much that God took his most prized possession and allowed his prized possession to be killed for you. That is how much you matter. God loves you. And guess what, girls? And I'll say, guess what, ladies? You are enough, amen? You are enough. You are thin thin enough, you are pretty enough, you are smart enough, you are godly enough because I share this truth with you that I shared with them. It is a simple truth, but yet it is so profound. There is nothing that you can do that can make God love you any more or any less than he loves you right now, amen? That's it. I mean, wow, I wish at 14, 16, 18, or 25, somebody would have told me that. Michelle, you're enough. It probably would have kept me from a lot of harm in my life. Michelle, there's nothing you can do to make me love you anymore. And guess what? There's nothing in your rebellion that you can do to make me love you any less. Is that not freeing today? And maybe that's a word for someone here today. God loves you, and you are enough. We do matter. But the devil is sneaky and he'll try to keep us from the truth. So we will continue to believe a lie that no one understands, that no one cares. No one knows. No one knows what I'm going through. Yes, he has others reserved, just like with Elijah. (laughs) We can try to hide in a cave and we can complain and we can yell at the Lord and we can raise our fist and we could say, you don't understand God or no one's here for me or no one understands. But guess what? He says, child, I understand. I do. And you are not alone. In fact, I have 7,000 people reserved that feel the same exact way you do. Ladies, we need to persist in our fight. We need to press through these times of opposition, persecution, these thoughts that get into our mind. We need to take those thoughts captive. We need to get rid of them as quickly as they come, but we cannot do it if we are not in the truth. We have to be in the truth every day. In fact, in a group this size, I hate to say it, but I'm guessing that maybe half of you do not have a consistent devotional life. We cannot eat one, two, or even three times a week and survive. Can we? Can you? I don't think I can. This is our spiritual food. This is our meal. This is the protein and the carbs, and you know, this is the fruit and the veggies, and everything we need is here. We need this as our food. We will grow and grow and grow if we partake every day. I cannot stress how important it is to be in the truth of the Word of God on a daily basis. You do not need to take a lot of the Word at one time. And and I know this is very elementary, but some of you are new and haven't heard my spiel, so I'm going to share it with you today while you're all here. But it's so important to be in the word of God each day. And I don't know what you do or what you've tried to do, or you say that doesn't work for me and I can't do the one year. I get too far behind. I think I'm going to put out a two year. What do you think? Are you with me? A two year or a three year instead of a one year? Any amens? Okay. So I'm not the only one who's like two months behind. I love to camp in the Word, so I just read it, and I camp there for a day, two days, three days, sometime, and I just mull it and regurgitate it, and, you know, I do the whole cow thing. Just love the Word of God. It just, and I write it, and I look, and the Lord shows me more every single day. It's so amazing how it is truly living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, but our sword is used to defend. You know, the sword is the only piece of armor that is used both offensively and defensively, right? I've shared this with you many times. It defends our faith, but it keeps us safe as well. It is the only thing. The shield of faith won't do it. The helmet of salvation won't do it. The breastplate of righteousness won't do it. It's the sword of the spirit that does it, the word of God. So we need to be in it every day, quickly, My devotions are uh, very simple, uh, but I'll share with you just in case maybe you can glean something from it. I take my Bible, I take a journal, I take a devotional, and I take a pen. So you have to have at least a pen and paper. Pastor Chuck always used to say, never go to the Lord without pen and paper in hand, (laughs) right? So do that. And as you sit before the Lord, something that I shared with some women over the weekend at a retreat that I was at, I shared with them the importance of being still before God. How important it is to be still before God. This is a discipline that we have missed. Somehow, we missed it. Somehow, whether it wasn't taught to us, uh, it was, uh, we, we neglected, we've gotten out of practice, we have forgotten to be still. And I'm not just talking about your devotional life. I'm talking about going to Jesus, sitting before him, saying nothing, reading nothing, just sitting, just being still. And this is a discipline that I was challenged when I was a first pastor's wife early on. And I was in Florida by a sweet pastor's wife, Carol Wild. She encouraged 30 of us. Okay, ladies, I want you to go now, find a quiet place, and I want you to sit still before God for 45 minutes and then um, just listen to what he says to you. What? No one had ever challenged me to do that before. She said, don't open your Bible, don't pray, just sit. And I was um, embarrassed, I think, because I couldn't hear. I didn't know. I wasn't familiar with that discipline. And even though I didn't hear anything, and I tried to write something down just because maybe she would ask us, <laughs> that even though I didn't hear the voice of God, the still small voice, the whisper, you know, not the wind, not the rain, not the fire, the whisper, the still small voice, even though I didn't hear the whisper. I wanted to hear the whisper, I longed to hear the whisper. So you better bet I went home and I waited and I waited and I waited until I heard the whisper. I heard God, the God of the universe, the God whose hand spans the universe, the same one who puts his foot on the earth as a footstool. He spoke to me. <gasps> wow. Yes, this was revelation. And you may hear from God all the time. But we read in the Bible that our relationship with the Lord is a dialogue. It is not a monologue. is isn't meant to just. Talk to God and sit before him, it is meant to, we speak, he listens, or he speaks and we listen and then we speak and then he speaks. And it's this beautiful thing. Have you ever heard God in the shower? You laugh, but I mean, for some moms, that's the only place you're alone, right? I mean, even in the bathroom, you're not alone. So it's just, you have to go someplace and wherever you can go be alone. Sometimes God shows up in the shower. Uh, he's there, by the way, <laughs> in case you didn't know that. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. So. But wherever you're at, in the car, in, at, wherever you're at, in the shower, wherever you are, God is there with you, and he is available to you. Are you listening for the whisper? You know, you can't hear a whisper when it's loud, can you? No. Can you? No. It has to be quiet, right? We have to be alone. We have to turn things off, shut things down to hear the whisper. So my encouragement to you ladies is to be still. Listen for the whisper. Get alone with the Lord. Make sure that you have daily time with the Lord, whatever it looks like. I go through the one year, but like I said, it's more like a two year. So whatever works for you, do it. Just be in the word every day. Read it. Write it, speak it, live it. Read it. Speak it out loud. Read the words out loud because then it's going in and out. Write it down. Share what you learned with somebody. Text it, share it, and then seek to live that truth, right? Ravi Zacharias um, shared, he's a Christian apologist. He said... Uh, the fact is regarding the truth that the truth matters. He said, especially when you're on the receiving end of a lie and nowhere is this more important than the area of faith and religion. He said, eternity is an awfully long time to be wrong. Although Pilate saw the truth, heard the truth, and was warned by his wife of the truth, the sad reality is that he never came to know the truth. In fact, it's recorded that Pilate ultimately committed suicide. He carried that truth with him. This is a sad ending for us, for those who ignore the truth. When the truth is standing in front of us, we must receive it. And again, back to devotions and the word of God. The truth is before you every day. My question for you is, are you receiving it? Are you getting into the word? You know, counterfeit bills, uh, those people who are trained in detecting counterfeit bills, they don't handle the real bill. Excuse me, they only handle the real bill. They don't handle the counterfeit bill. Why is that? Because when you only handle what's true, you can easily detect what's false when it comes. If we would just handle the truth of the word every day, we'll be more wise in discerning what is evil, what is wrong, what is not the Lord. But we must be in the truth every day. In the truth, is where we're established in our faith. In the truth is where we walk in our faith. And in the truth is how we learn how to defend our faith. Let's be women who are women of the truth. Amen. Women who seek it. Women who love it. Women who live it. Women who read it and write it and speak it and live it. Will you pray with me? Lord, we do love you, and we love your truth, God, and we thank you, Lord, that we have truth, God, that we in America can so carry the truth around with us, God. May we be women who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed to carry a Bible, Lord. Anybody can carry a phone, but not anybody can carry a Bible. May we be bold in our faith, bold in truth. May we Uh, be in the truth, read the truth, speak the truth, stand for the truth, God, in your word of God. Because when we stand for the truth, it means we're standing for you, Lord. And you hung on a cross and died for us. The least we can do is stand for you, God. So Lord, would you help us today? Would you fill us and empower us with your spirit, Lord? We pray that you bless the remainder of this study as we learn how to be established, walk and to fight for our truth. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name.